Coming up in this episode, we talk about getting into tech, our journeys in a coding boot camp, and where we are now. My name is Kelly Corey. And I'm Karen Thorne. And together we are Salt Salt City Code. Code. We'd like to take a minute to say thank you to our sponsor, Hack Upstate, for supporting Salt City Code. Hack Upstate's mission is to unite and facilitate collaboration among the greater upstate New York technology community. Twice a year, Hack Upstate organizes weekend hackathons. Developers and innovators from across central New York come to Syracuse to form teams, build projects, and win amazing prizes. It's all in 24 hours, and it's free to attend. Want to learn more? Visit hackupstate.com and get ready to code. Today, I am very excited to be interviewing my co-host, Karen Thorne. She is a full-stack web developer who's in the process of starting her own company, JS Web Development. Um, So, Karen, would you like to tell us how you got into tech? So, my background is uh, actually one that is a little different, probably, from, I would say, most people that uh, get into tech. Um, You know, I'm on the older spectrum of the age, you know, being older, not that I might, I'm 46, I don't care, I'll tell people. Um, uh, I have three children, and I had my oldest child, you know, I was young, I was like 19, Um, and I've been in jobs for retail, I uh, eventually got into doing uh, healthcare, I actually have an associate's degree in respiratory therapy, Hmm. Um, that exam for the boards for that is extremely hard. They are not easy. Um, They have a lot of multiple, multiple questions. And let me tell you what multiple, multiple questions are if you don't know. Oh, go for it. So a multiple, multiple question is they give you this question and it says, okay, you have um, A, B, C, D, and E for these choices. And then they say to you, so now, you know, the second part of the question is, is it A and B? Is it B and D, is it E, F, and G, however many they give you. So you have to decide. Uh, And there's a lot of those, and they're not nice. How do you study for something like that? Um, You really have to know the material. Um, So, And I'm trying to think of, like, an example of of what – it's been so long since I've even looked at anything respiratory. It's ridiculous. But um, so – if they gave you a, so they gave, they maybe they would give you a scenario um, of a patient on a ventilator and they're having issues. So they're going to ask you, like, what are you going to change? What settings on the vent are you going to change? Are you going to give them any medication? You know, those mm-hmm. types of things. So you really need to know all of that stuff. Like, it's, it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, I attempted to take those boards three times and I always missed by like a few questions like five questions or eight questions it was ridiculous Mm -hmm. the tests are usually like 140 questions long but wow 20 of those questions don't count because they try to see if they can use them for future tests oh so I could have gotten all 20 of those questions right wow okay so they test you on the knowledge and then also test you for future tests Yes, so that they can see if they can use those 20 questions on a future test for somebody else that's going to be taking the board. So um, I was still kind of in the healthcare field uh, doing medical records, um, and I was in that for a while. And when I was doing that job, it entailed me to travel, um, 
you know, mostly within, um, I'll say, 100 to 120 mile radius, maybe, of where I lived in New York State. Once in a while, I would go out of New York State, but mostly was within New York State. Um, doctor's offices, hospitals, and I just collected patient information for their client, which is the insurance companies. And they would do, like, a Medicare risk management um, to make sure that the doctors are following all those guidelines. So I have... Equipment that I have to take with me, a laptop, flash drive, those type of things. Mm -hmm. And if I had issues and called up the help desk, they would say, well, try this. And I would say, I already tried that. And they'd say, oh, okay, well, Mm -hmm. how about try this? And I would say, and I already tried that. And then they would say, well, okay, well, then how about try this? And I would say, and I've already tried that too. And a lot of times I would get, "Um, well, then I don't know, so I need to look into it. And I started thinking the more that I was calling about that and the more that I was already trying everything that they told me that maybe I should just do it myself because half the time I'm figuring it out on my own anyway. Um, At that point, I started looking to taking some courses online. Um, I was going to actually like pursue a degree online. And I enrolled for a couple of classes at SNHU. And the classes that they put me in right away had nothing to do with coding. And I thought, okay, Mm. there has to be a better way to do this. There has to be an easier way to do this. So I started looking a little bit and, you know, just researching. And I came across an article. um, A gentleman said, oh, I became a software developer engineer in nine months. And I'm like, what? I'm like, nine months? Are you kidding me? There's no Mm -hmm. way that you can do that in nine months. I'm like, that takes a lot. All these people go in and get computer science degrees and everything else. Mm -hmm. There's no way. So I I read his article because I was like, I want to know how this guy did it. And he said he just started teaching himself at home, trying to watch videos and everything. And then he went to meetups. Um, And I had no idea what a meetup was. So he explained it and it said, you know, it's just it's a group of people with the same interest or within the same field and they get together and they talk about things or problems or help them solve or just even getting together and, you know, for personal projects and helping people do things. And I thought, huh, okay, well, this is like Syracuse and we probably don't have anything like that. (laughs) Why don't we have anything like that? You know, because... Mm -hmm. Typically, when you look something up, it's all the big cities have all that. You know, New York and Los Angeles and all those. Sure. Syracuse is kind of a smaller big city. Right. Well, wasn't I shocked when I found out, hey, there was a meetup in Syracuse. And I'm like, oh, hmm, maybe I should check it out. Hmm. Which was totally against, like, my whole being because I'm not (laughs) one to just go out and, like, introduce myself to people Okay. Um, so you really had to push yourself out of the comfort zone to go to that first meetup. I did, because I'm one of those people that if I go to a place and there's a lot of people and I really don't know them, I'm going to sit in a corner and I'm just going to watch. I'm not, I don't really engage myself a whole lot. And I still struggle with that now, sure. even after everything that I've done. But I did. I. I what thought, was the first okay. meetup you went to? Uh, it was actually called Open Hack. And it was just a bunch of developers that they get together once a month and they either help each other out with projects that they're working on or just get together to see what everybody else, you know, maybe you learned something new and you want to share it with other people. Um, And a lot of them, you know, would say if their company was hiring or not. I so I I did it. I went I went to a meetup and I was, you know, in a class 
uh, at SNHU, and I thought, okay, well, we'll see how this works. And it turns out at the first meetup is where I met Jesse from Hack Upstate, hmm. and he was talking about careers in code hmm. um, and starting this boot camp here in the Syracuse, New York area. And I thought, boot camp? What the heck is a boot camp? Because I... That was one thing that I had not researched yet, you know, when mm-hmm. this guy, this guy didn't mention it because he didn't go to one in that um, mm-hmm. article that I had read. I'm thinking, what the heck is a boot camp? Like, I don't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. So um, after that meetup, uh, which was, you know, a little nerve wracking, um, sure. I went home and I looked at it and I'm like, okay, well, let me see what this is. And of course, it's a really shortened version of learning everything that you need to in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the ones that I had come across were like 12 weeks, but they were as much as going in getting a two-year degree uh, and, you know, you're paying seven, eight, ten thousand, sometimes twelve, fifteen thousand dollars for this boot camp. And mm-hmm. I thought, I can't afford that. <laughs> what the heck? That's crazy. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I might as well just stay in school and take my time because I don't know how this is going to work. Sure. Um, and then when I Learn, you know, I was and I was interested, so I wanted to know more. And I reached out to Jesse, which was again another thing that I don't normally do. Wow. All right, lots of pushing yourself yeah. out of the comfort zone. Um, and so he, you know, told me a little more about it, and he had was basically sort of waiting for the green light um, from Onondaga County mm-hmm. in the Syracuse, you know, in Syracuse, and it was going to be a boot camp geared more for women and minorities to help get them into the tech community. Um, And, you know, you had to apply. Mm -hmm. Um, In the end, the nice thing about it was is that it wasn't going to cost me anything because it was a grant they had applied for uh, in order to allow these women and minorities to get into the tech community. So at that point, I became interested for a number of reasons. Um, one, it would have helped me financially. Sure. I wasn't going to spend a ton of money on a degree that was going to take me two years to get. Mm-hmm. Two, it was um, close to home. I could go, being that the classes um, you know, were going to be in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the classes were going to be at night, which was another plus, because that meant that I could still work and go to class. Sure. So I applied um, I, you know, I wanted to really get into this. Uh, and I also think that being able to go to the class was another plus for me. Um, mm-hmm. I can do online work. I have done, I have taken online classes, but especially now after having gone through this boot camp, I mm-hmm. don't think that I could have done a boot camp online. I definitely really? think, yeah, I don't, I think that the being in person, I need, I need that. Okay structure of being able to be in person and ask questions right away and get the answers and see it, you know, happen. I didn't know that you had started a college class, actually, before you came to Careers in Code, so that's really interesting. Yep, I had, I was two or three classes in. Um, well, you said that they weren't computer science classes. Did they just have you taking, like, gen eds, or They were what weird. Was well, I didn't really need gen eds because a lot of my classes had transferred over from my associate's nice. degree. But, so they were computer classes, but they were weird. So it was like, um, okay, so here's, you know, give me directions on how to make a dish. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what does that have to do with coding? Like, 
You want me to give you the step-by-step directions on how to make a dish, like how to make, I don't know, like say goulash, for example, right? Okay. So they were looking for a recipe. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. So I'm like, okay, uh, all right. So I need to think about this. Uh, So, you know, like that was one of the assignments. Mm -hmm. But now looking back at it, in a way, I can sort of see how, you know, it, it maybe they were teaching like a thought process of sure. this is how you need to do it because mm-hmm. there's such the thought process with coding. Absolutely. It is very step by step and very literal. And if you get the steps wrong, <laughs> oh, God, disaster. How your cake explodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really rough. Yes. Cool. Absolutely. So you ended up switching to a boot camp instead of following through with your college class. Do you think you'll ever go back to school for a degree, or are you happy with the boot camp experience at this I d- point? I don't think that I will go back for a degree. Okay. Um, I At this point, everything that they were able to teach me in Careers in Code, I think, is enough to move me along in, in my career where I want to go, to be able to find a position that I'm happy with doing something that I like doing every day, that I look forward to doing every day, that I constantly mm-hmm. am thinking about, you know, other projects every day of, oh, I can do this, or, oh, I can implement that, or, oh, wait, maybe I mm-hmm. need to make this a function, or maybe I need a, a for loop to in order to get this to, to work correctly. So, yeah, I don't think that I would go back and waste my time on a computer science or data science, any of that type, you know, engineering. I don't think I would go back for any type of degree like that. Um, would I take some classes online to maybe keep up with um, everything that comes out new? Mm-hmm. Probably. But I don't okay. think I would need a specific degree in order to do all that. Would you like to go from zero to full stack web developer in 24 weeks? Karen and I did. We're graduates of the first cohort of Careers in Code a coding bootcamp also sponsored by HackUpState. Learn HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and more from awesome instructors and incredibly patient TAs. If you're ready to change your career, sign up for the second cohort waitlist at careersincode.org. You can also sign up for the HackUpState Careers in Code monthly newsletter to receive updates, upcoming events, and job opportunities. That's careersincode.org. Um, so now that we've kind of started talking about the boot camp, what was your experience going through Careers in Code? Oh, boy. That was the other thing. Um, because when I chose to go this route, I mean, I knew enough to kind of get me by with fixing a few things, um, you know, help desk-wise. Mm-hmm. When it came to actually writing the code, when I first started looking into it and deciding which type of degree I was going to get before I got into the boot camp... I really started looking at it, and I thought, I don't want to work on the hardware-software part of it. I want Hmm. to be able to work on the software part of it where I build it from the beginning, and I get to see it work at the end. Hmm. That was was my main goal. I didn't want to just, you know, I think if I had tried to do the, I guess it would be more of a help desk type situation, Mm -hmm. I think it would be the same thing over and over every day and mundane, and I didn't want that. I want something new and something different, like every day, just about. So when I went into the boot camp, that was the other part that was in the beginning. I, I'm like, okay, let's see if we can do this. I think I should be able to be okay. Uh, I didn't know any syntax. <laughs> I le- like Really? Yeah. Like I, not even console log? 
I had heard of it, but wow. like to do anything with it, mm-hmm. forget it. I, I'm like, what? You want me to do what? Like, okay, I know what it is, and I know mm-hmm. that it's a separate box that you can pull up, and I know that you can do things with it, but that was pretty much about it. I didn't know, you know, okay. when they started throwing out HTML and, you know, mm-hmm. tags and parents and children, yeah. and I was like, yeah. oh. P tags and, you know, using the terminal and things, so that was all new to you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was like, I knew the terminal existed, mm-hmm. but, like, console log, I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh, okay. So that was, that was kind of tough. Um, and within the first, like, three to four weeks, by week three or four of, of this 24-week boot camp, mm-hmm. um, I really had it self-doubts. And I thought, um, what am I doing? Is this, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I think I'm sure. in over my head. Did I make the right decision? Am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. Um it was very hard to not and try to try and not compare yourself to others in the class. And even Absolutely. though there was only, you know, eleven or twelve of us, that was a that was hard to not do. I think it's also hard because it's human nature. I think you compare yourself to everybody. Sure. You compare where you're at, what level you're at, what do you know, what do other people know. And finally, I mean, I was I was almost ready to just be like, forget it, I can't do this. So I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? Why are you worried about everybody else? You Mm -hmm. need to figure out what you're doing and concentrate on yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, at once I got past that, things went were better. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you say that kind of refocused you? You know, deciding to concentrate on yourself and what you could do, as opposed to worrying so much about what everyone else in the class was doing. It did. It did refocus. me because at that point I was able to do like okay you know what this is what you've learned so far and this is your end goal and this is where you need to get to so start applying that to what you're doing mm-hmm. um, the boot camp did you know they gave us homework um, and, and you know within the first uh, three modules I was fairly decent about you know keeping up with that um, but then as time went on and we had this capstone that we had to present at the end I was like, okay, well, I'm bar- I mean, I, I had already given a lot anyway because I was working and, you know, I have a family. Uh, I have three children and a husband. So they actually lost the most because they were just kind of pushed right to the side in order for me to concentrate on learning all this material, getting all of these things done, and working. Wow. That sounds like that was hard to balance. It was. And it, it can be. Um you just have to find the right balance. Luckily for me, um, my husband and my children were understanding enough That's that great. I was able to do that. I mean, you know, when I say that, like, my time, like, they didn't get any time. I mean, they didn't get any. You know, I'd get up. I'd go to work. I'd get out of work. I'd go to class Monday through Thursday, you know, 530 to 8.30. I'd get home. By the time I get home, I'm putting the youngest one to bed, and I'm going to bed myself because I have to go to work the next day. Or I'm trying to finish up some homework so that I can get that done. Mm-hmm. By the time the weekends came by, Friday nights and all day Saturday and all day Sunday, I'm on the computer trying to get things done for this boot camp. So I didn't really do anything with them. Wow. That also sounds exhausting. That's quite a schedule. It is. Um, go, go, go. And in, at the end of May, I actually, it, which is really stupid, but um, I got hurt. I like woke up with a pinched nerve. 
mm-hmm. which put me out of work for two months. Mm-hmm. That two months of being out of work, though, I think really helped me with being able to concentrate on the boot camp. I think that okay. if I didn't have that time, I really would have struggled even more. Sure. Um, and I may not have made it through, um, but that time allowed me to really do what I needed to to get it done. And then I went back to work, and we only had I th- about three, me- three weeks left, I think, of um, the boot camp. And even in those three weeks, you know, like I'm still, I was still struggling, and I was up late and trying to get sure. things finished so that my capstone was done. Um, so, like, by Module 4... I had stopped turning in homework something because something else had to give. And we're mm-hmm. learning all this new material, and we have to have this capstone that needed to be done at the end and and this homework. And I'm like, okay, well, I thought about it, and I'm like, well, what's more important, turning in the homework or showing what I've learned at the end with this capstone? So sure. I chose showing what I learned at the end with the capstone so that I would have something to present when the time came. And, you know, they never said anything, and I know that that's one of the struggles that they were trying to figure out. Right. You know, being in the first cohort, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think mm-hmm. that everybody had learned from it. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things coming out of the boot camp is a lot of lessons were learned, and I think there would probably be some changes. Or, you know, you always think, like, well, if I could go back, I would go back and do it differently. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I think everybody took some really quality lessons to move forward with. I yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I, there were a lot of good things about it. Sure. You know, I th- there definitely are more positive things about that boot camp than there are negative things. I don't. I really don't have anything negative to say because it was all a learning curve. Absolutely. All of it was a learning curve. And that was one of the things I liked about it is that it felt like a learning curve for everyone. You know, because it was the first cohort, uh, Jesse and Doug and Will were still trying to figure out how to run this coding boot camp. You know, um, a lot of our instructors were people from the local tech community. Some of them had taught before, but some of them hadn't. So it was all like we were learning together and trying to come up with, you know, trying to make it the best possible outcome. Yes. And I and thought that was really neat. They were really good about um, what I felt that I gave anyway as constructive criticism. It wasn't, you know, when I had something to voice, it wasn't like, well, it needs to be this. It was like, no, I think maybe if maybe you did this, it might help me. Mm -hmm. You know, I know it would help at least me better and I would imagine some others. Um, So they were really good about, you know, taking that constructive criticism and implementing it in a way that worked for everybody, not just the way that, you know, I mm-hmm. had mentioned or anybody else had mentioned it was, you know, they worked it and, and in the, you know, it, you could see that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, we had to give daily feedback on classes and I found that when I would leave the constructive criticism that things would actually change eventually. Um, early on in the class, I wrote on one of my feedback forms, um, can we please have more women come talk to the class because it had been men were our guest speakers. Yes. It had just been a string of men. And I wrote down on my feedback, can we please have some women come talk to the class? And I noticed after that, within like two weeks, we had one of our guest speakers was uh, Ksenia Leifanova, who works at Upstate Interactive. And she came in and gave a presentation. And then the amount of women that came in increased from the zero it was at the start of the class. So I appreciated that they took feedback on board instead of, you know, just saying, well, this is the way it is or, well, too bad. 
um, everybody at Hack Up State was very willing to listen to what we had to say. Yes, yes. And the teachers were as well, too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because... And I did. I was leaving the daily feedback. Although at some point I stopped, probably stopped doing that too, and was just doing it once a week because it's another th- added thing. You know, sure. I don't. A lot of people that were in the boot camp lived within the city, so they were like ten minutes from home. Mm-hmm. But I lived thirty minutes from, you know, where class was. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got home, I'm forgetting that I need to fill that out. Sure. So I'm like, oh, uh, okay, well, you know, and eventually it's just like, you know what? I just need to do this at the end of the week because. You know, let me go through the whole week. It's mm-hmm. great. You know, I understand that you want the daily feedback, but in some ways I think it was a little too much, and you could probably just do all of that at the end of the week too. Unless it was something that was really needed to be addressed right away. Mm-hmm. I think even then, though, you could have just reached out to the instructor and said, hey, you know, like, I can we address this right now yeah. know, instead of getting into the feedback? So, you know, and, and even the instructors that, that had never taught before, mm-hmm. you know, they were, it was a huge learning thing for them, you know. And Absolutely. I, I think a lot of them felt like they didn't do a good job, and they did. They just needed to figure out what worked mm-hmm. best for them. And I think that's what everybody needs to do. You just need to figure out what works best for you. Absolutely. So I'd like to mention a special shout-out to Ryan Goss, um, who works over at Density. He had never taught before and came in and taught us, like, three or four weeks of classes. And I remember you know, hearing that he thought he didn't really do that good of a job. And I was astonished because he did a great job for someone who's never taught before. Uh, He was so engaged with the material. He was very friendly with the class. Um, He was really good about answering questions. Like he never, he answered questions in a very supportive way. Yes, he never made it, he never made it look like because you didn't understand the material, it didn't make you, I guess, worthy or, you know, like right, he, didn't yeah. make, he didn't make you feel like you were less intelligent. Yes, that's a good way to phrase it. Because you didn't understand it mm-hmm. correctly. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to his um, co-worker, Gus Cost. Because Absolutely. Because Gus had never taught before either. Never. Um, and he had a, a struggle, I think, you know, the very first week that he taught us. But once he got mm-hmm. past that first week, you know, he did... S- amazing job you know he has and if you ever get a chance to meet Gus if you're in the Syracuse area and you get a chance to meet Gus um he knows so much oh my gosh sometimes it's intimidating the amount of information that he knows he'll say something and you're like what (laughs) (laughs) um and I've even heard that from you know seasoned developers sure you know they'll say something and they'll say sometimes he'll say something and I they you know, they're taken aback because, they're, you know, even it's beyond their level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give him a huge shout out. Teaching is not easy. No, absolutely not. And he really took all of our feedback on board. I mean, you're right. His first week was a little rough. Um, but by the end of class, he was one of my favorite instructors. Yes. For sure. Uh, yep. He really got into it and did an excellent job. Yeah. And he always reached out after. They, I mm-hmm. mean, they they pretty much, pretty much all of them did. But even... You know, at weeks after Gus was done teaching, he would reach out yeah. and he would say, hey, you know, does anybody need any help with anything? Let me know. Right. Or he'd, you know, stop by after class. Um, since classes were in the tech garden, that's also where density is located. 
So he'd, you know, pop into class every so often and just check to see how we were doing. And I that meant a lot to me. And I am going to extrapolate and say that probably did to some other classmates as well. Yes. I appreciated that he, you know, he and other instructors that would stop and check in on us because then it felt like they actually cared yes. how we were doing. Yes. Yep. Which was important. Yeah, that it just that they were just there to teach us some material and that was the end of it. It was right. No, I really want to see how you're how you're doing with this. You know, is there mm-hmm. anything else that I can help you with that you don't understand? Um, would you like to say anything about graduation or would you like to just move into the kind of after CIC part? If I I guess if I had to choose, I would say that, you know, by the end of the twenty four weeks, even though I was presenting my the capstone that I was presenting mm-hmm. wasn't completely uh, merged together, so my front end and my back end weren't connected. They mm-hmm. were both finished, and you know, I shouldn't say. And I, actually, they weren't. The back end was pretty was pretty good to go, and I probably could have connected them, but I needed to finish a few things on the front end. But I had enough of the front end working to present what it was my end goal was, mm-hmm. um, and I'm still to this day I'm still working on it. It, you know, it's yeah, that's it's fair. wanna. It's actually something that eventually I will want to push out and publish myself. Um, awesome. To get it working, so, you know, my experience through the the entire boot camp, um, you know, there were definitely weeks where I thought that I was never gonna make it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, building that capstone um, vectors images. Oh, yeah, yeah, those <laughs> those were probably the the biggest. That those put me in how I felt in like weeks three and four, where I was like, "Oh my God, I'm just gonna quit. I can't do this." Mm-hmm. Um, but I never gave up, and that that had sort of become my motto throughout was just "P.S. Never give up." Um, I like that. And I I so I finished the boot camp, mm-hmm. um, and then the struggles changed from there. <laughs> <laughs> the struggles now, now that the boot camp is finished, so now it's like, okay, you know all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's looking for a job. It's looking for employment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start looking at ads, and they all are asking for things that you didn't learn in the boot camp. So you're like, okay, well, I don't know that, so I can't apply because I'm not going to have the skills to do that. Sure. Uh, okay, so now what? So... There is this imposter syndrome. Um, Absolutely. And at first I was like, I don't know why I'm applying to these. I don't know any of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And apparently I guess I didn't realize that it is a big thing and that a lot of developers, you know, experience imposter syndrome. Absolutely. I mean, I can't say for 100% certainty. But I would say that the majority of people I've talked to have mentioned feeling a sense of imposter syndrome. And I'm talking about people that have been developers for 10 plus years. I actually just had this conversation recently with one of our instructors, uh, Max Matthews. Oh, okay. Um, Because he was saying that he was um, having a conversation and he said, the imposter syndrome just hit me really hard right now, like extremely hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, see, it's not just you. He goes, it right. even happens to me for as long as I've been doing mm-hmm. this. He goes, I, I really questioned my, um, I think it was something about CSS, mm-hmm. um, my CSS skills. And so, I, you know, mm-hmm. it was 
I sort of actually was trying to figure that out and I wanted to know is it because he doesn't use CSS as much in what he does or Mm -hmm. because he uses it in a different way you know maybe because you're using bootstrap for what you have to do oh sure um so I was trying to figure that out and I think part of it was you know because he doesn't use it so you know like Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I want to I think ask other developers is do you find that if you're not using an area like CSS or something often mm-hmm. that maybe you should start doing some of that like on your own just sure. to keep kind it of refresh fresh yourself yeah yeah just to keep it fresh so mm-hmm. that you know when you come across that you're like oh yeah no problem you know sure i mean there's just so much in web development that you can't ever know everything there's no way there's absolutely and, no because, way and also things change you know so much new things come out you know new mm-hmm. versions come out however you're going to do it Right. Um, but even if just doing maybe a little bit, maybe that might be a, a, a good way sure. to keep things fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, if that's really right now, that's still a very, um, a very real struggle for me is the imposter syndrome. Cause I'm like, sure. I'm, ooh, yeah, I want to apply to places, but then I'm like, oh, but I don't have this <laughs> experience. I don't have that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Right. Well, I think that's one of the, um, things that's important to me about doing this podcast actually, is being able to reach out and talk to people in the tech community. Um, I find that imposter syndrome can get relieved by talking to other people about it and realizing you're not alone in that experience and in that feeling. And I think that's something important that we're trying to do here is to help foster a sense of community and just, you know, keep in mind that if you're feeling imposter syndrome, so are lots of other people. Yeah, I agree. I actually, um, I had tweeted it and I'm like, so I hear developers, I'm like, Everybody has experiences. Is how do you get over it? How do you manage mm-hmm. around it? How do you, you know, at least shove it so that you know, put it in the doghouse or something for a while <laughs> so that it's not, you know, right in your mm-hmm. face every day. Um, and um, Annalena Davis, mm-hmm. who works up at Syracuse University, you know, she had reached out to me and she said, you know, you just have to keep working at it. She goes because you do know it. You know, a lot of it is mm-hmm. the same, and she just, you know, keep working at it, keep plugging. So when I made the leap to um, start my own business, just, you know, just to kind of do things on the side and as well, just to keep things fresh, you know, even if it's just taking and building my portfolio of like, okay, well, you know what, let me, let me pull this website and I'm just going to redo it and just kind of throw it on there and just so that I have those types of things. And one of the things that I'm actually going to dive into um, within the next few weeks is WordPress. Awesome. All right. WordPress is one that seems to be um, used a lot, at least right now in the Syracuse area. So I want to I'm going to dive deep into that. You know, um, it shouldn't be too much of a challenge. I mean, it's going to be a challenge, but it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. too much of a difference from what we learned in the boot camp. They all correlate in some way or another. Well, sure. I mean, it's a real big head start on web development. So, yeah, I think so. Let's do that. But yeah, that's that's at this point, you know, where right now where I'm at is mm-hmm. starting my business. You know, I don't need to awesome. grow it in, you know, ginormous or anything. You know, like I, I'll be good with if I get a couple clients a year, um, you know, and just keep steadily growing from there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and in that time, I'm looking for employment. You know, I want to find an, a company that I can, um, you know, I don't want to really big company i'd like to be with a smaller to maybe medium-sized company but probably more on the smaller side and um 
you know, I'm in for, I'm in the longevity. I'm in for, I mm. want to be in for the longevity of it. You know, a company that I can stay with and, you know, sure. give them everything that I have to offer them, all of my skills and to help their company grow um, until I'm at that point where, you know, I'd like to retire. So it sounds like you're planning on web development for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, web development, app development, or even, you know, building software programs, however, whichever route it takes me, you know, if it takes me down a different path of, say, you know, like cybersecurity or anything like that, sure. it's okay with me. You know, I'd still be doing what I like every day. You know, the thing that I love is, and that's coding. So. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I'm really glad you got to take this boot camp and we started this podcast and it's inspiring to hear your journey from, you know, a completely different field, starting out in healthcare and then realizing how much you love tech and ending up here. So yeah. I And, you know, I mean, if I had any regrets, I, I think the one regret, regret that I have is that uh, I didn't get into it a long time ago. You know, I didn't get Same. into it. But it was tough. You know, back then when I, I mean, I graduated high school in 1991. So mm-hmm. back then, the tech community wasn't for women. That was, it, you know, no, 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 that's not for you. Sure. You can't do that. You need to go to the, you know, if you're going to go and get a career, it needs to be a more traditional career. You know, go become an accountant or become a teacher or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, an office setting type job. You know, or even like retail. For some reason, a lot of women seem to be pushed into the to yeah. the retail of it. Um, and I don't know. I don't know why that stigma happens to be there. You know, but I just I, you know, like that's probably my only regret, regret at this point, though. Um, and that was another reason that I wanted to start this podcast too was to show other people that nope, women can do this. Absolutely. Women are you know, women can be in tech, and you know, women can grow companies, create companies and grow companies. Sure you know, can. there's some here, even in the Syracuse area, um, mm-hmm. you know, d- where two women have started a company and, you know, it's, it's a it's a big company. They do a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, I want, uh, I want girls that are in middle school, you know, starting out that sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I want them mm-hmm. to realize that if they want to go after this career and they want to be in tech, they can absolutely do it. They can achieve that goal. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Karen. Well, thanks for asking me, Kelly. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up this closing? I don't think so, other than, you know, follow your dreams. Never give up. If you would like to follow me on my personal learning curve journey, my website is kethorn.com, Instagram, Karen Thorne, Twitter, Thorn, and email contact at kethorn.com. Also, be on the lookout for JS Web Development LLC as I'm starting my own business. Twitter and Instagram are JS Web Dev. I'm working on a website that should be up soon, and that's jswebdevelopment.com. You can always email me at jswebdevelopment at gmail.com. I'm Kelly Corey. You can follow along with me on Twitter at keldeveloped. You can reach my personal website, which is kel.dev, that's K-E-L-L dot D-E-V. And you can follow me on Instagram at kel2earth, that's K-E-L-L-T-O-E-A-R-T-H. And together, we are Salt City Code. Follow us 
on Twitter and Instagram at Salt City Code. That's S-A-L-T-C-I-T-Y-C-O-D-E. You can also reach us via email at saltcitycode at gmail.com. And remember, always keep it salty.